is Fun E. I am your host, Private, aka Avery Adams. I am nine years old and currently out of the fourth grade. Joining me today is Skipper, aka Craig Chiringi, who is a 68 year old fossil. Hey, that's not funny. Kind of funny, Skip. Hey, Private, I saw a dinosaur in my backyard today. Very funny, Skip. Dinosaurs have been extinct for like 66 million years. No, seriously. It had blue feathers and... Dinosaurs don't have feathers, dummy. Ha, gotcha. The latest research strongly suggests that some did, especially the meat eaters. Oh, like, um, T-Rex. Skip, are you kidding me? A Tyrannosaurus Rex with feathers? That just sounds ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, a T-Rex with feathers. So what other animals have feathers? Uh, birds? But birds aren't dinosaurs, right? They are. The birds are the dinosaurs that didn't go extinct. Seriously, you expect me to believe that? Where's your evidence, Buster? Private, the fossil record is pretty convincing. It shows dinosaurs with feathers. It shows bird-like dinosaurs with teeth in their beaks. And some birds today, when they hatch, have a tooth in their beaks too. The slow evolution of some types of dinosaurs uh, to birds took millions of years, but it did happen. Let's check the evidence online. Okay. Wow, now I see how it happened. It's all there in fossils. Yep, the fossils show the step-by-step changes that happened over millions of years. But why did it happen? Why did those types of dinosaurs decide to become birds? They didn't decide. What? How did it happen then? Well, do you remember the beginning of the movie Finding Nemo, where Nemo's mother laid all those eggs? Yeah. Well, if all those eggs hatched, how many baby fish, um, they're called fry by the way, would there be? Thousands and thousands. Poor mother. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And if all those female clownfish laid thousands and thousands of eggs and they all hatched, there would be millions and millions of clownfish. Yeah, but there aren't millions and millions. There are a lot less. What happened to the others? Well, they get eaten by other animals. Skip, that's terrible. All those poor baby fish. It's not terrible. It's natural. There's no way they could all survive. There's not enough food or shelter for all of them. So how do those few even survive then? Well, some of it's luck, but some of it has to do with them being a little bit better at evading getting eaten. Maybe they blend into their surroundings better and can't be seen as well as the others. Maybe they can swim a little bit faster than the others, so it's the slower ones that get eaten. Some African tribes say it's the lion that gave the antelope its speed. Lions eat antelopes. How does that give them their speed? But lions only get to eat the slowest ones. The faster ones get away. How does that make all the antelopes faster? The lions obviously eat most of them. (laughs) They don't eat most of them. They only eat the slower ones. It's the faster ones that get to live and make more baby antelopes. So the babies get the DNA from the fastest antelope parents. And some of them are more likely to be faster too. So pretty soon, all the antelopes will be so fast, none of the lions would be able to catch them. Go antelopes! Whoa, Private, it works both ways. The fastest and smartest lions are also the ones that are getting food and surviving. So they're the ones that are having baby lions who are also more likely to be faster and smarter. Antelopes getting faster, then there's lions getting faster as well. Where does it even end? Well, no one knows. Evolution has no plan. There is no goal. It's all following rule number one and two. Find food, but don't become food. Make more of your own kind or reproduce. 
Animals and plants have found many, many different ways of following those rules. Okay, okay. I know it was a meteorite or something that hit the Earth, and that caused the dinosaurs to go extinct. But why? Why did they go extinct just because some stupid rock hit the Earth? <laughs> well, the meteorite that hit us was six to eight miles wide, and it was going pretty fast. Well, that's pretty big. Well, it's not really that big when you compare it to the entire Earth. If you do that, then the meteorite was much smaller than a tiny grain of sand compared to you. If I got hit with a tiny grain of hand, it wouldn't do anything to me. How could it have wiped out all the dinosaurs, except the birds, of course? <laughs> Good question, Private. Let's do some more research and see how it happened. Okay. Now do you see how it happened? I guess it had to do with how fast it was going. But Skip, so what if it was going fast? If something was that small, I still don't see how it could do all that much damage. Private, remember we talked about how increasing the energy of molecules makes them go faster? Yeah, what does that have to do with a meteorite's speed? So, how did that meteorite get to go that fast? I guess it had lots of energy? Right, very good. And what happens to the energy when a meteorite hits the Earth? I have no idea! I'm only nine, well, I'm almost ten, years old! Okay, okay, you're right. See, there's this law called the Conservation of Energy Law. And it says that the Here total amount of energy again. at the beginning of some event is going to be the same amount at the end. So? Well, the meteorite was going 40,000 miles or 164,000 kilometers per hour. It had a gigunda amount of energy. Skip, I don't think gigunda is a scientific word, let well, alone an actual word. <laughs> well, how about ginormous or gigunderous? Uh, nope and nope. Okay, I get it. It just means a lot. Sure it does. And when it hit the Earth, it gave all that energy to the spot where it hit. Skip, what happened then? Well, that six to eight mile wide meteorite was going 12 times faster than a bullet fired from a Me rifle. It mouth. went down many miles into the earth, vaporizing millions and millions of tons of rock. The hole it created was 115 miles wide. Anything within 600 miles or 1,000 kilometers would have been instantly vaporized, gone, poof. Hot rocks rained down all over the earth, starting fires that wiped out all the forests and most of the plant life too. The dust from the impact and the burning forest put so much dirt and material in the air that sunlight had trouble getting to the ground. So many, many types of plants died and went extinct. Why did most of the dinosaurs and so many other animals go extinct as well then? See, all animal life depends on plant life. But you said some animals eat other animals, right? not but, plants. Right, but those other animals are plant eaters. So without the plant-eating animals, the animals that ate them went extinct too. Remember last week we talked about ecology and how important the relationships are between animals and plants? Yeah, I see now how all plants and animals are important to each other, and when some animals or plants disappear, it affects a lot of others. But Skip, how do we know this happened? What if it's just some stupid story a, gr a grown-up made up to tell their kid to explain something? <laughs> Very good. I'm glad you asked that question because scientists have evidence. And the evidence they have is by studying the fossils from just after that meteorite hit. And it shows that 80 to 90% of the plant spores came from just two types of ferns. So... We know that ferns are the first plant types to come back after a disaster, and a few other types of plants have to survive too. All the plants around today evolved from those ferns and the few other plants that survived. 
How did the birds survive if there were no trees? Birds live in trees. They need trees. <laughs> well, it looks like all the birds we have today have come from birds that lived on the ground back then. These are probably the ancestors of our chickens, emus, turkeys, and ostriches. When the meteorite struck, they were the ones that had the abilities to somehow survive. We know this because scientists haven't found any birds from our time that have evolved from tree-dwelling birds from that time. There were some other small animals that survived too. Like what? Well, like fish and amphibians like salamanders and toads and frogs, some reptiles like snakes, turtles, and lizards, and some small furry mammals too, but no very large animals. They all went extinct. Were there any people back then? Nope. We came from those small furry mammals. Of course, it took another 58 million years of evolution for them to eventually become us. How exactly did that happen? Hmm. Well, I think that's probably another episode, I think. Oh, that's okay. You probably don't know anyway. Hey, I do too. And that's definitely not funny, Private. Yeah, right. And it definitely is funny, Skip. Uh, did Velociraptors and T-Rex really have feathers? Well, let's do some research and see. Just tell me! Okay, fine. So, what do you think? It seems that some large Tyrannosaur dinosaurs did have feathers, and most of the smaller meat-eating dinosaurs definitely did have feathers. Skip, this seems so strange to think that all those huge killers may have had beautiful feathers. Yeah, and all the movies that have ever been made all showed us dinosaurs with scaly skin. Like Jurassic Park. Right, and granted, the largest T-Rex probably did have scaly skin. Why? Heat. Huh? Heat? That's all you're going to give me? Heat? <laughs> well, you see, feathers Worst make great insulators. <laughs> the insulators are like blankets. They keep in the heat. If you're a really large animal, your problem is getting rid of heat, not keeping it in. If you have feathers keeping you warm, and if you had to chase down your prey, you would overheat pretty quickly. Hmm, but that website said there is a large tyrannosaur from China, and it did have feathers. Yep, but it may have lived in a forest where it was cooler. It seems our T-Rexes may have had feathers when they were smaller, but then lost the feathers when they evolved into the huge killers they later became. Skip, you said the word disaster. Where does that word come from? Hey, it's pretty cool. I, too, have always been interested in where words came from. The word disaster comes from two parts. Dis, which means bad, like when you diss me. It's always a bad thing because I'm so nice. And aster, which is the Greek word for star. No way. I only diss you when you deserve it. So disaster means bad star. That's strange. How can a star be bad? It's just up there in the sky doing nothing until it burns out. Stars <laughs> never hurt anyone. Yeah, they can't be bad. Uh, but to ancient people, anything strange that happened in the sky was usually called a bad omen. And it was predicted that bad things were going to happen. So when they saw a comet moving across the sky, they immediately thought something really bad was going to happen to them. Did something bad happen to them when they saw a comet? Private, back then, bad things happened to them all the time. Famine, plagues of locusts, plagues of diseases, wars between pretty much everyone, bad harvests, floods, you name it. Of course, none of it had to do with comets. It had to do with the way life was back then. So, people who told the future could always count on being right if they saw a comet? Yep. That's right. Very good. When your average lifespan is less than 30 years, being told something bad was going to happen to you was usually a pretty accurate prediction. So why aren't we afraid of comets today? Well, some people still get a little crazy when a comet comes in view. One cult of people were told by their leader that a flying saucer was in the tail of a comet a number of years ago. 
Whoa, a real flying saucer? Awesome. <laughs> no private. The cult leader made it up. His followers believed him without ever asking for any real evidence or learning the science of the comet. And it didn't end very well for them. They all died. Wow, science could have saved them. That's right. None of the telescopes that were trained on that comet and its tail found a flying saucer. That's pretty crazy. Why do some people believe things without any evidence? Well, I guess people. they don't want to think for themselves and do the work to find out the truth. It's easier to let somebody else think for them and tell them what to believe. We know the best place to find the truth of something is with the science of it. Yay, science. You got that right, Private. our podcast for this week. Come back next week for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes, Google Music, Podbean, or just search for Science is Fun E in your favorite podcast app. To suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at sciencesfune.com. You could win a t-shirt with the Science is Fun E logo on it. Just send us a topic you would like to discuss. If we choose yours, we'll send you a t-shirt. You can email me at private at sciencesfune.com or skipper at sciencesfune.com. I'm Private, a.k.a. Avery Adams, hoping you have a great week. TTYL.